0: Welcome to biota.org interviews. I'm Tom Barbele, and today, a special podcast. As you listen to these podcasts, you may be looking for other podcasts of a similar light. And I think whilst Artificial Life podcasts are still a relatively fledgling project, I wanted to bring to your attention Gerald de Jung's Darwin at Home podcast, which is particularly good and covers Gerald's own Darwin at Home developments, discussions of kind of broader A-Life philosophy, and also his interaction with academics, which is the podcast that I'm going to be rebroadcasting in the feed today. Darwin at Home invites you into Darwin. the algorithm invites you into the
1: algorithm. Episode 8. Hey, yeah. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode, which was, uh, of course, just a recording of my presentation at the B-Night conference in uh, Namur in Belgium. Um, you'll remember from podcasts before that, that I was sort of working up to that presentation, um, partly as a sort of a deadline that I... Uh, imposed for myself, just to get something done on time. And uh, I sort of coordinated my release of the new intelligent design version with the presentation at the BNIC conference. Um, I had twenty minutes to talk about uh, and show the show the program the The other demonstrations were actually surprisingly um, similar to the presentation of papers. People had presentations uh, slides going from one to the other, and then eventually showed a demo. I just uh, demonstrated the program and talked about it for quite a bit before I did do the demo. When I see the video back. There are a couple of things that I could have improved, definitely. And the interesting thing about the B-Night conference uh, for Darwin at Home is that, um, in a way, it's not really the right place to be for this uh, sort of project. Because uh, this conference is, is an academic conference. These people are getting together to present papers to each other. They're all trying to uh, get the ideas across. That they've been working on in the last year uh, to describe the experiments that they've done and the uh, hypothesis and, uh, and and all the uh, all the work they've been doing to uh, to get the to get the science moving and in, in a way, Darwin at Home is not as much a science project as all that because the results of Darwin at Home are not really graphs and formulas and statistics things like that i haven't i haven't done i haven't gone that direction it could be done Uh, in fact last year when i presented at the b night conference they also uh, very much enjoyed the uh, the show Uh, but right after that i got in contact with a professor who who was sort of interested in having me do a phd on the subject and I considered it fairly seriously. I spent a while really thinking about what I would write down and what I would do. But on the, on the other hand, when I started thinking about it more and more, it was like, uh, it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of analysis, a lot of really deep diving down. And uh, basically, I would sort of have to stop the development of the software for a while in order to write about it all. Yeah, put it into a scientific frame where I have a hypothesis and then I do experiments to prove or disprove the hypothesis because that's science and the BNAC conference is all about science uh, Darwin at Home however is not entirely all about science uh, you know part of the charm of the whole program is the, the visual effect it has on people and that's not scientific in fact this project if I were to present it at the BNIC in terms of uh, mathematical formulas and results and graphs and uh, you know the proving or disproving of a hypothesis, it would go over just fine without any visual representation whatsoever. That's a complete extra. They they like it. Everybody enjoys it. It's it's nice to look at. I think it's it's core to uh, to the project for maybe not necessarily scientific reasons, but still core to the project. Because part of the idea here is just to get people interested, to get people impressed by what evolution can do. And, uh, you know, people make up a part of the equation. I don't care necessarily to convince these scientists of anything, because they're already convinced. You can tell that from the very first moment when I um, when I started my presentation. Almost the first thing I did was ask a question. I said to the people in the audience uh, at the B night conference, "These are all professors and graduate students," and I asked them, uh, uh, "Raise your hand if you think that computers can discover things." And uh, I didn't know what people were going to answer. I'm not. Sh- I wasn't sure whether the question was going to be too much of a surprise, but. Uh, sure enough they all raised their hands basically there was almost nobody who didn't raise their hands and it was quite immediate so i thought okay this is uh, this is one way to look at life and these people look at it this way and so so do i of course uh, so i was sort of preaching to the choir i imagine at least that there are lots of people out in the world you know all sorts of uh, you know more or less intelligent people people who are interested in very different domains and whatever um, who don't think that computers can discover things and it's more for that kind of person that I'm doing this project so that people can really dive in and uh, experience what it's like to see um, something emerge from nothing Another thing I've done in the last couple of days at least, I found a little bit of time again to uh, revamp the website. So uh, I've got now a podcast page to make it easier for people to um, subscribe. I'm also setting up a sort of an introduction page from myself so that people know what this project's about and where it's going a little bit. And um, what I've also done in the last week is I've uh, um, scrounged together a bunch of animations some of them were from the original film that I published a little while ago, the big long film, which was almost too long. Most people responded by saying, uh, I couldn't watch the whole thing. And actually, I don't blame them. I, I look at it too, and I think there's just a bit too much of me talking there. It's a little too monotone. So what I did was I thought, okay, the animations are what it's all about. It's actually about the fluidium. It's about the Darwin at home creatures that emerge from from the software and about the way they behave it's not necessarily about my, uh, my history or anything like that. Most people just want a quick view of what it is, what it's about, where it came from and you know, get a real feel for it in, in short order. So what I did was I, I scrounged together about 10 minutes worth of, of uh, animations and I put them together in iMovie on the, on the PowerBook and then I, um, I added some nice music in the background just to give it a little bit of an atmosphere and then I uh, grabbed the microphone and I made comments, uh, audio comments, while, while watching the movie and uh, recorded them and attached them to the movie. So now you've got uh, 10 minutes of nice musical animations with, uh, with me just saying the odd thing every once in a while. There are a lot of nice uh, silence as well, nice moments of silence. I uploaded this uh, just this past weekend yesterday to, um, to Google Video. And I put a link on it, uh, link to it directly from the homepage of Darwin at Home, so people can jump in uh, just a few seconds and watch ten minutes of some really nice introduction video. You can see what comes out of the program. You won't necessarily try the program uh, as a result, or you you know that might be a little too far for a lot of people. But you can get a really quick view of uh, of what the program actually produces and uh, at the same time hear a bit of a story of uh, you know what i'm doing here uh, what what the purpose of of the project is and i've uh, found a sort of a way to frame it in terms of artificial life because that's one thing that's becoming more and more interesting as i'm uh, progressing with this uh, you know the discussions with the people from biota.org uh, bruce damer and uh, tom Um Artificial life is a fascinating thing to do, and it's actually close enough to um, to what I'm doing that um, you could say that what Fluidium is doing, what I'm doing with this Darwin at Home thing, is creating the bodies of artificial life creatures. Um, as you know, I imagine if you've been listening long enough to this and and uh, looking at the at the software and uh, hearing about how it works, reading about it, you'll know that that. These creatures of mine are not necessarily competing with each other. They don't necessarily even meet each other. They're not competing in the same world. They're sort of uh, operating in parallel, and you know, they're just judged for success or failure. But they never meet each other, and they never uh, you know encounter each other. There also uh, there are also a number of things that are are sort of swept out of the system to keep it simple. Um, they don't eat. Or uh, expend any measured energy either. It's all simplified so that they've got uh, they've got their muscle contractions, and they can um, they're judged on the basis of how far they run in a certain amount of time. It's a very you know tightened down system, so that the evolution goes really quickly. Partly because I want uh, I want people to experience the, the you know some evolution that doesn't take eons and eons to uh, to take place. So where I'd like to go is to a situation where the creatures actually meet each other somehow. They uh, they actually encounter each other and they compete for something that uh, you know, either one gets or the other gets. And um, the way I'd like to frame this, of course, is in terms of the things that are already there. I don't want to introduce all sorts of new concepts. I'd like to be able to create an artificial life scenario on the basis of the things that are already there. For example, right now the, uh, the muscle contractions happen all over the place and uh, there's no measurement of the amount of energy they take or whatever. Um, what could be done, of course, is every time a muscle contracts, it could cost uh, a penny. It could uh, you know, cost a certain amount of food, a certain amount of energy. So they would be able to move a certain number of steps and then they'd be basically tired. They'd be out of fuel. Uh, that's one interesting thing. So, if there's something that they can do, like uh, eating or something, to compensate for for uh, the movement that they make, that's uh, you know that's something that they would have to do. So they they would have to fight to uh, to get themselves food in order to keep moving around, in order to keep getting food. So, without uh, that motivation, the the ones that don't have it in sufficient amounts will die. So that's one thing. You could give them energy and consider the energy to be uh, muscle contractions that they can perform whenever they want. Uh, On top of that, of course, when they, like currently, they just replicate whenever they're successful. Um, What could also be done is they could be hunting around to collect a certain number of elastic intervals. They're made of elastic intervals, connected all together, and it could be be part of their their survival to actually go and find elastic intervals and sort of gather them up. So you'd have a kind of a herbivore-like creature that was uh, wandering around uh, watching out for itself but uh, gathering uh, elastic intervals and as soon as it had the same number of elastic intervals that it had in its own body. Uh, as you can imagine as soon as it's collected enough then it can actually replicate itself with a mutation right now that that happens uh, you know just in the context of the algorithm so so there's no they, they don't have to gather up and you know save up in order to uh, in order to replicate they just replicate it's uh, it's 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 part of the definition right now but it should be something they have to fight for so if they're hunting around for food, uh, for energy on the one hand, and for uh, replication on the other hand, it becomes a lot more like an artificial life scenario. So now um, yeah, I encourage everybody who's on the podcast to uh, revisit the website and take a peek. Um, one thing of course that you'll encounter is the release of the new intelligent design version of Darwin at Home. Um, like i said in my presentation from last week um, this version is special because it also includes growth mutations so the actual morphology changes over time just like the behavior did before now it's a combination of behavior and morphology and that it gets to be really fun because these are two separate things and they're evolving together so, yeah, the the, the Night Conference was good. Uh, last year, I won the prize for the best demo because um, they uh, were blown away. They hadn't expected to see something like this. Uh, I think um, the their idea was that I would probably uh, change course and do this whole project in a very scientific way and then come back the following year with... Uh, with some sort of uh, academic paper to describe things, but instead what I did is I got back into the software. That's the most fun for me. I um, added the growth mutations and um, basically rewrote it to some degree to get that uh, going. And It was a fascinating process and I'm really happy with the results. And I can't really imagine having stopped last year and starting started to write about it all and analyze it all and and do some sort of scientific uh, experimentation with it. I uh, my motivation was to get to the next level in the software itself, and I maybe that just don't have the patience to uh, to stop and get scientific about it all. I'd rather just uh, push on and and. Uh, and create new things and eventually i imagine i'll get to a point where i can slow down and uh, and talk about it all but uh, i don't feel like i've met that point yet so you can try out the new intelligent design version it's um, a lot of fun to watch because you can uh, if you if you tweak things a little if you pay a little attention while things are evolving you can see some really fascinating things grow really quickly um actually when it comes down to it the um the demonstration I gave at the B-Night conference almost worked too well. I was um, sort of blown away I, I started off the, um, the evolution and people could see the the population view and they were watching the evolution and then after a little while of, of describing things, I stopped and took a view of um, of the current uh, winner in the evolution and it was surprisingly realistic um, and and sort of mind-blowingly quickly devolved it was i was totally taken aback by it i tried to stay calm and continue discussing but when i looked at it i thought holy that that was fast um so it, it was actually too fast to the point that um people were thinking this must be fake <laughs> which was quite funny people started asking questions was this for real because it happens so quickly. Uh, what happens is, the, you know, the um, the growth mutations can go, can take place fairly quickly and if if the growth mutation, the thing is, in the algorithm the way it is right now, if the growth mutations are successful and they don't cause any problems then um, the next growth mutation will be, uh, will be in a very short time. And so if you happen to get lucky and have a few uh, successful growth mutations You'd be surprised how quickly things can grow, and the funny thing is, of course, it grows. Uh, it grows limbs and it starts to use them, uh, which brings me to the the, the interesting question that my uh, colleague Tamás uh, asked after the after the presentation uh, in Belgium. He said, uh, "I see uh, symmetry in the creatures. Uh, th- is this something that you programmed in?" Well, yes, the answer is of course, definitely. I added symmetry uh, it's completely uh, contrived in a way, but uh, you know in 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 nature, we see things that are that are, are you know symmetrical, so I uh, decided to enforce symmetry as well. It can be taken away it in fact, uh, if you start out with a, a seed structure in the new uh, version. That is not symmetrical not you know tagged as being symmetrical then uh, the growth will also not be symmetrical so uh, it's a heuristic i guess added on top to uh, to create better results more quickly but um it's not necessary it can be done without i just want the darwin at home software at the current moment you know right now i'd like to have it impress people I'd like to have people surprised by how well things work. If you want to do a total scientific analysis of, for example, how successful is locomotion among symmetrical creatures compared to how successful locomotion is among asymmetrical creatures, that would be a wonderful scientific study, perhaps. But uh, that's not something that I want to pick up on right now. Okay, well thanks for listening and uh, until next time remember evolution is as natural as gravity as
0: if you are interested in more information on Darwin at Home, or if you'd like to subscribe to the Darwin at Home podcast, d a r w i n a t h o m e dot org, that's Darwin at Home dot org, and that has more information with regards to Darwin at Home and how to subscribe to the podcast, and also Gerald's blog, which explains his developments and gives additional notes to the podcast if you're interested. I thoroughly recommend any Artificial Life developer or even expert user to consider creating podcasts as a means of talking about Artificial Life. The kind of long-running project with regards to biota.org and certainly with regards to the Artificial Life developers that I've spoken with to date is to actively evangelise Artificial Life to the broader public, to get a sense that there is a community, whilst it's small currently, that it's growing, and that people are talking and thinking and actively debating issues that come up in artificial life development if you have a podcast or you'd like to be interviewed on biota.org interviews with regards to artificial life be you a developer or a user or an academic please contact me tom at nobleape.com thank you very much for tuning into this podcast look forward to you tuning into the next podcast